0: This morning, we pray that you guide our hearts to understand your word, to really soak in and understand this parable that Jesus is telling us, so that we truly be prepared for the day of Jesus' coming. And we pray for all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. This morning, as you uh, come to church, I want to ask you a question. How would you describe your Christian life? Uh, How would you describe your Christian life? Would you say that your Christian walk today was stronger or is stronger than when you first became a Christian? Uh, do you find that your passion and your desire to want to please Jesus is stronger today than it was when you first became a Christian? Now, if you honest, answer honestly, I think all of us will say that the Christian life can be a struggle. And uh, year after year, Month after month, there can be disappointment and struggle. And we find it hard to continue to go on in the Christian life, to have the passion and the desire to want to please God, and the, the, the real uh, spark in us that we may have had when we first accepted Jesus. Now today, we need to listen very carefully, because if all of us, and I'm sure all of us, struggle with that problem of going on in the Christian life, then today Jesus provides a diagnosis for the problem, but not just the diagnosis for the problem, but the solution to that problem of going on and growing stronger and stronger in the Christian faith. Now, today we're going to do something a bit unusual for me because we're only going to look at one parable and only eight verses, right? Which is a bit of a change from the 34, 42 verses that we look at sometimes. And I think there are three reasons why I really want us to concentrate today on the parable of the persistent widow. The first one is that this parable is unique to the Gospel of Luke. Uh, We will not look at this parable again, uh, probably until we come back to the book of Luke, because if we go to the book of Mark, the Gospel of John, the Gospel of Matthew, we will not find this parable. So this parable is the only place here today that we will see it. And the second thing is that this parable is so often misunderstood. Uh, It seems so straightforward, it seems so simple, but yes, it's misunderstood. So I think that that's why it's so important for us to look at it. And also the third reason is because even though it seems like such a simple parable, but yet it's got so many really deep and profound things to say to us. So let's look uh, at the very beginning, which is where we always start, which is chapter 18, verse 1. And you need your Bibles open in front of you. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Then Jesus told his, para- his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Now the word here, then, is very important because it tells us that Jesus is speaking straight after everything he's saying in chapter 17. Okay, so what it's saying here is you can, you can get your liquid paper or whatever and wipe out the chapter 18. You can wipe out the parable of the persistent widow because that's not the inspired word of God. It was never there in the original. Because it's really unhelpful that we look at chapter 18 and and look at the title and we think that Jesus is saying a new thing. Jesus is not saying the new thing, Jesus is saying the same thing that he was saying in chapter 17. And what was he saying in chapter 17? He was talking about how there was a period of delay. That he would come the very first time and then he would leave after he was resurrected and then he would come again. The coming of the Son of Man. That when Jesus came he would bring the kingdom of God. But then when he came again, he would consummate and complete the kingdom of God. And during that time, there would be a delay between his first coming and the second coming. And last week, Jesus said that during this period of delay, it would be difficult for his disciples. It would be difficult for Christians. Why? Because they would be attracted by the world. The eating and the drinking, the marrying and the business would cause them to lose focus on Jesus, lose focus on the kingdom of God and to be sucked back into the world, to be drawn back into the world. And what did Jesus say? Jesus said that as Christians we must always be prepared for the return of Jesus. Always be prepared for the return of Jesus. And today as we look at chapter 18, this is part of being prepared for the return of Jesus. And how should we be prepared? Well, we should always pray and not give up. And he tells a very, very simple parable, right? He says here that uh, he tells a parable about, uh, in verse 2, about a judge and a widow. Now before we get into that, I'd like to focus a bit about that word, always, they should always pray, not give up. He's not saying that we should pray 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, but he's saying that we should always pray and not give up. It means that there should never be a time where we never pray. We should not give up praying. So then he goes on and explains what he means by this. He could have ended in verse 1, but he wants to press the point home. So in verse 2 he says, In a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, and find, but finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care what people think, Yet, because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. Now, the facts of the parable are very simple. Right? There is a judge and there is a widow. Now, the widow in the ancient world was a symbol of weakness, helplessness, and vulnerability. Because a widow didn't have a husband, to look after her or to protect her. She didn't have someone to provide for her. Uh, she may be childless. So she was a picture of someone who's weak and vulnerable. Think of a poor single mother in present-day Singapore. Okay? Someone who is marginalized, has no voice in society. That's the sort of picture. So this widow comes to the judge and he comes to the judge with a plea. Grant me justice against my adversary. So what she wants is, she wants... Justice. She has been wronged in some way. Maybe she was cheated or swindled or she was robbed. Someone stole from her. And she has a legitimate case for justice. She doesn't want a favor. It's something that she should reasonably expect. Justice. And the judge should reasonably give justice to her. Because if not, there's no point being a judge. But the problem is, this judge is a bad judge. He's a bad man. Later on we see he's called an unjust judge. We are told two things about this judge. It says he neither feared God nor cared what people thought. In fact, in verse 4, that's the way he sees himself. He also says about himself, I don't fear God and I don't care what people think. So basically what that's saying is that he doesn't fear God. It means he's an unrighteous, unholy, ungodly man. But he also didn't care about what people thought. That means... He had no private conscience and he didn't care about the public conscience, about what people thought about him. So basically, he would not do the right thing by God or by the people. Now, a pastor was telling a true story about how he went to visit a country and in that country, a young man, a a young teenager came to speak to him and said, Look, can you please do something about our bishop? Because this bishop had a mistress. And not only did this bishop have a mistress... But he divorced his wife and then married his mistress. And the Christians, even this young Christian man, could see that there was something wrong. But did this bishop step down from his office? No. Because he didn't care what people thought. He had no shame. See, he would not listen to the public conscience. And that's what this judge was like. He didn't fear God and he didn't care what people thought. So as a result, he would not give this widow what was right justice. But in verse 3, the widow doesn't stop and doesn't give up. She keeps coming to him persistently and keeps bothering him. Isn't that what it says there? in verse 5? She kept bothering him. She kept coming to him. Now you can imagine what that's like, right? He's in his office and uh, the widow is outside. He refuses to see the widow but she stays in his waiting room so he finally has to come out and there she is. The judge leaves early for his golf game, right? and there she is, standing on the road beside the fairway, trying to get his attention. He's at home watching his favorite show, and there's a phone call, and who is it? It's the widow. He goes to his club, and there she is, waiting outside his changing room. He goes to dinner, and there she is, looking outside the window at him eating. But After a while, he realizes that he's never going to get rid of this woman. And that's what it means literally in verse 5 where it says, I will see that she gets justice so she will not come and eventually attack me. It means literally that she's beating him down with her persistence. She's nagging him, nagging him, nagging him, him, stalking him, stalking him, stalking him, pestering him, pestering him, pestering him, until she finally gets justice. Now what is the lesson of this parable? And this is where, we really have to pay attention. In verse six, the Lord said, "Listen to what the unjust judge says, and will not God bring justice to his, for his chosen ones, who cry out to him day and night? Will He keep putting them off? I tell you, He will see that they get justice and quickly. However, the Son of Man, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth. Now, uh, look at me here for a second. The simple application that many people say is, okay, this parable is all about praying hard, right? So, have you done your quiet time this week? How many times have you done your quiet time? right? Uh, do, are we praying enough in church? Maybe we should pray longer in church. But that is not right. That is not what this parable is saying. That is part of what this parable is saying, but there is so much more to it. Let's read the parable for itself and see what it says. The first thing is, remember the context of this parable. The context is the period between the first coming of Jesus and the second coming of Jesus. And what is it really saying here? It's saying that the the widow is not just an example for her persistence, but the widow is an example of how Christians are treated in this world. Isn't it? Because in verse 6 to 8, God's people are just like the widow, we are crying out, to God. Why do we cry out to God? We cry out to God because we struggle and face injustice and hardship and suffering just like the widow. I know that the prosperity gospel will say to you that, oh, you know, as Christians we are the victors in this world, we are triumphant in this world, well, actually the reality is if you live as a Christian in this world, you are not like the victors of this world, you are like the widow. You face hostility, you face hardship, you face injustice. And we need to screw into our minds to have the right understanding of how we live in this in-between period between the first coming of Jesus and the second. See, what is your view of the Christian life? What is your expectation of the Christian life? Do you think that life will be easy? Do you think that life will be a bit of roses? Do you feel that Uh, when you become a Christian, everything will fall into place in your life? That is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because as we've seen in chapter 17, if we are faithful Christians in this world, we are living in a world which is hostile to God and we will feel that hostility. And Jesus is telling us this parable so that we will not be shocked or surprised when we face hostility and hardship and suffering for being faithful Christians in this world. A parent was telling me uh, just a few weeks ago of how in the United Kingdom, if you go to the public school system, the government school system in the United Kingdom, there are some parts of England where if you go to school and say that you're a Christian, you'll be beaten up and punched. That's just the reality in England. I remember when I was in boarding school in Australia, uh, this is before I became a Christian, I remember uh, we used to, it was a Christian school, and we used to have to go to chapel once a week. And I remember there were Christians in my boarding school, and uh, the boarders used to tell those Christians, when it's communion time, we don't want you to go out to take communion. Because if you go and take communion, the service lasts longer, and we can't go and play cricket. Right? So if you do that, we're going to make life difficult for you. There are Singapore, created Christian employees who tell me, and I'm and more than one, how their bosses say, look, you, you either listen to me and cut corners, uh, you better toe the line or we'll make sure that you never get promoted again or you lose your job. Uh, on the BBC, I, I, I heard in my own ears how a scientist is, was ridiculed for saying that he believed in Jesus Christ. And I know that there are scientists in Singapore who work for you know, universities or Star or whatever and if they say they believe in, G- in, in Jesus Christ, they also get ridiculed. Now, if you think that this is unusual, if you think that this is unnatural, then you are wrong. You are absolutely wrong because Jesus says that it is natural, it is part of the world that we live in, and this is what we should expect. We are like the widow, weak and vulnerable, facing weakness, sorry, vulnerability, suffering, and injustice. This is part and parcel of the Christian life. So, do you expect the Christian life to be easy? Do you expect the Christian life to be a bed of roses? Because if you if you expect that and you look for it, then Jesus says that you have actually assimilated yourself into this world. Isn't it? You, you've become like, uh, the speaker was saying uh, this week in Project Timothy, we've become like Christian chameleons. You know what a chameleon is, right? A chameleon is like this reptile who can blend himself into the, whatever environment he or she is. And we can become like that. We can become like Christian chameleons. We... We blend into whatever part of society we're in so that people cannot recognize us as Christians. But Jesus says that we are not Christian chameleons, we must stand out as Christians. So, if we face this hostility and suffering as faithful Christians, how do we endure? How do we make sure that we don't lose the spark of of, of passion, of enthusiasm for Jesus in this hostile world? Well, verse six to eight. He says, listen to what the unjust judge says. And what did the unjust judge say? Well, what he says was in verse 4 to verse 5, isn't it? The widow keeps bothering me. I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me or wear me out or beat me down. So, what does the unjust judge say? She says, he says, sorry, that the widow does not give up doing what? Coming to him, isn't it? And pleading his case and crying out to him. Now, what the example is for us, is like what Jesus says in verse 1, isn't it? We should pray, pray, and pray. That is the answer to surviving as a Christian in a hostile world. See, I'm sure that this woman had many friends and all her friends would say to her, why do you keep bothering the judge? Right? You know what he's like. You have no money for bribes. You have no influence over him because you don't have any rich friends. You don't have a husband to go and pressure him. Why do you keep bugging this guy? You will never get justice. Why don't you just give up? Don't waste your time and energy. See, and that's the problem we face, you see. We think that praying, we don't pray very much because we, in the back of our mind sometimes we think that prayer is a waste of time and energy. So sometimes, you know, when you have a, a problem... And you work very hard at it, right? And after you, maybe you study or you have some business problem, you work very hard. After you've done everything, you say, what do you say? Well, we've, we've done all we can do now, all we can do now is pray. Right? Do we ever say that? No, we've done everything, you know, we've, we've put in this form, we've done, all we can do now is pray. Now when we say things like that, we, we basically say that prayer is just something that we do at the very end because, well, we've done everything we can, isn't it? But in Jesus' eyes, prayer is the first thing, the most important thing. So I want to ask you this question, look up here again, right? really think about this question. How is your prayer life? Okay, think about it really seriously, how is your prayer life? And think of the other question which is, how is your Christian walk? Right? How is your Christian walk? Because I think those two things are linked, isn't it? You can actually ask, change the questions around, right? How is your Christian walk and how is your prayer life? Because in God's eyes, both those things are related, they are both intertwined. If your prayer life is weak, then your Christian walk will be weak. If your Christian walk is weak, then your prayer life is also weak. Now why is that? Because our faith is not a natural work. Our faith is a supernatural work. How did you become a Christian? Was it your work? No, it was a supernatural work of God working in you. The Holy Spirit working in you. How do you keep going on as a Christian today? It is God. God is doing His supernatural work in you today. It is not my effort that keeps me strong in Jesus or passionate in Jesus. It is God giving me the fire to be passionate in Jesus. So, How is your prayer life? If you do not pray to God to keep you strong, then you will not be strong. If we spend all our prayer life praying about our work, our business, our pleasures, then no wonder our Christian walk is weak because we are not asking God for the right things. Now remember, uh, up here on this slide, I just want to show you this. right? Remember how Jesus was asked by his disciples how to pray? And Jesus said right at the very last part, it says, and lead us not into temptation. Now, it's interesting, we didn't spend enough time on this passage before, but think of that for a moment. When we pray to God, lead us not to temptation, what is it admitting? It is admitting that we ourselves are unable to resist temptation on our own. And if you do not ask God to do the supernatural work, of not leading you to temptation in your heart, then then you will be led into temptation. Now, I'm confident that if you pray and you ask God for things which are kingdom purposes, things which are really important in terms of your Christian walk, then God will answer you. God will help you to persevere and to be stronger today in your Christian walk than you were in the beginning. And the reason is in verse 7 to 8, It says here that God, God is opposite from the unjust judge. See, the whole point of the parable is not to show you that God is like the unjust judge. The whole point of the parable is to show you that God is so different from the unjust judge. He wants to answer your prayers. The unjust judge didn't want to answer the widow's cry and plea, right? But God wants to answer your cry and your plea and your prayer. See, God is good. But the unjust judge was not good. God is righteous. The unjust judge was not righteous. God has compassion and concern. The unjust judge didn't have compassion and concern. God is a judge who wants to give justice. The unjust judge doesn't want to give justice. God is very different. He wants to answer your prayers. So will you not pray to God that you, He will help you in your Christian walk? And not only that, look at what it says there. In verse 7, right? Will not God bring justice for His widows? No, it doesn't say that, right? It says that in verse 7, will not God bring about justice for His chosen ones? See, not only does God, a good God, a righteous God, a compassionate God, a God who wants to give justice, but we are His chosen ones. We are His children. We are not like the unjudged judge and the widow, the widow being a stranger to the judge. We are God's children. How much more God wants to answer our prayers. So don't feel like we should just give up and not waste our time and energy in prayer. All the more we should pray because God is a good God who wants to answer the prayers of His children. So in Luke chapter 11 again, the next slide, remember what God said earlier on. And again, to see how the work of faith, the work of growing as a Christian is not a natural work, but it's a supernatural work. So it says in verse nine, so I say to you, ask, and it be given to you, seek, and you will find, knock, and the door will be open to you, for everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks on the door will be open. Which of you fathers if your son asks for a fish will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion. If you then though you are evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will your Father in Heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? See, it's the same thing as the parable, isn't it? God is so much different from the unjust judge. And here, God the Father is better than the earthly father. And God will give you what you ask for in a spiritual sense, in a kingdom sense. So, if you say to yourself, my Christian walk is weak today. I do not feel strong as a Christian. My walk... It's not the same as it was when I first became a Christian. Is it because you are not praying and asking God for these things? Because God wants to answer your prayers and wants to make you strong in your Christian world. Now I think that the last point which is often also ignored is exactly what we pray for and what God gives. So in verse 7 to 8, look at uh, what it says there. And will not God bring about justice for His chosen ones who cry out to Him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, they will, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Now, I want you to look at those eight verses in chapter 18. Which word is repeated the most in verse 1 to 8? Okay, you can turn that off now, don't worry about Luke 11. Look at chapter 18, verse 1 to 8. Which word is repeated the most often? Don't look at me, look at your Bibles, right? Which word? Okay, I'll give you a clue. How many letters is it? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. Okay, 7 letters long. What word is it? Justice, right? The word is justice. Okay, so it's not just about praying, uh, you know, God, make me rich. God, give me health. God, give me a wife or a husband, right? It is about justice, And that's where the context is, isn't it? Because this is what we pray for as we live between the first coming of Jesus and the second coming of Jesus. When we live in a hostile world which presses in against us, what do we pray for? Justice. Now what is the justice that we pray for? Do we pray, when someone cuts me off on the road, I pray, dear Father, give him a flat tire so when I drive past him, I can wave to him and say, see, see God judge you. right?" Or, you know, do I pray so that when my colleague steals my work, that you know, somehow God will reveal his wickedness to the whole office that you will get fired or she will get fired. Or do we pray that, you know, God, bring justice for those people, say overseas, who people, whose churches are being burned down by people. Is that how we pray? Is that the justice that we are looking for? Now, I think the answer again is found in verse 8, isn't it? When does the justice come? The justice comes when the Son of Man comes. See, Jesus, when He comes again, will come as the judge. Jesus is the judge. Jesus judges. See, we've got to get this into our head, isn't it? That Jesus is a judge. I know that uh, some people get offended. We think, oh no, Jesus is just all about love and all about salvation. But Jesus is the judge. So, when is the last time you prayed, or you cried out like the widow to God for God's judge? For the Son of Man to come down and to bring vindication and justice? When is the last time that you, that you really ask God that your kingdom come? You know, that, that God will exercise His justice in this world and that He will take away all the unrighteousness, the sinfulness and the wicked, wickedness in this life? Now, if we don't pray like this, I wonder whether it's because, like in chapter 17, it's because we are so comfortable in this life that we're not actually looking forward to the kingdom. Uh, Are you very comfortable in this life? Maybe if you don't pray for Jesus to come and you don't pray for the kingdom to come, is it because you're so comfortable in this life? That you love this life so much that you don't feel the hostility, you don't feel the, 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 the difficulty because you've fallen for the seduction of this world. Just like what it says there in chapter 17. right? So I know once a year, I really look forward to going on holidays, and uh, for me, I'm a very simple person, I'm a very boring person, my wife says, because I just like lying by the beach, right, so all I do is I always go to Phuket all the time, I think, I think Seng Yun is not shaking, You says, every holiday is the Phuket, right, and I know that uh, as, uh, as the weeks draw near to my holiday, I'm sure it is for you, right, you, you know, you, you pencil in your, your highlight, your calendar, okay, you know, and, and it's like, oh, one month before my holiday, Okay, two weeks before my holiday, I'm really looking for lying, I you know, hope the weather's really good, you know, lying by the beach. And I'm sure it's the same for you, isn't it? When you go on holiday, you, know, you circle those dates, you plan for it, you've gone to Natas, you've got your cheap airfares, everything is booked. You're looking forward to your skiing, or your diving, or your shopping, or your sightseeing. Uh, sorry, not sightseeing. Sightseeing, right? Now, imagine the kingdom of God. Isn't the kingdom of God going to be better than that? Isn't heaven going to be better than that? Shouldn't we be looking forward to the coming of the kingdom of God as much as we look forward to our shopping, or our diving, or our sightseeing, or our skiing? Why is it we do not pray to God, we do not cry out to Him for His kingdom to come? Why do we not cry out for justice to come? Is it because we, we are so comfortable in this world where we do not face that hardship. We, we have no desire to want to see the kingdom of God to come. Look at what it says there in chapter 17, verse 22. Chapter 17, verse 22, right? Just same section, don't worry about it. It's the same conversation. And Jesus says to his disciples, what do he say? The time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man but you will not see it. Well, they will not see it, but hopefully we will, right? But why do they long for the coming of the Son of Man? Because they don't want to wait anymore. They know that this world is passing away. That they, they, they know the difficulty of living in this world. Well, are you like that? Do you long for the coming of the Son of Man? Do you pray for justice? Do you pray for the Kingdom to come? Now, the really worrying thing that uh, should really bother us is when Jesus says at the end there, He says, when the Son of Man comes, will He find faith on earth? Now, that says that if you are not praying this way, if you are not praying for your Christian walk, if you are not praying for the kingdom to come, then it's a reflection that you do not have the right faith. Now, let that sink in for the moment, right? If you do not pray this way, you do not pray for the kingdom things, you do not pray for Jesus, you do not have the right faith. Now, in the context of what Jesus has said so far in chapter 17, of His first coming and the second coming, if you do not have faith, then when Jesus comes, how will you stand before Jesus Christ? You will not be in the kingdom of God and you will not be saved, you will be lost. Well, if you are not praying this way, if you are not exercising your faith, if you are not asking God to build up your faith, then today is the day you need to change. Today is the day where you need to take action. You need to pray. Pray to God to build up your faith. Pray to God for justice. Pray to God for His kingdom to come. Pray to God that, that you will look forward to His kingdom. Why? Because Jesus says that strange thing, isn't it? Which a lot of people don't understand. He says, I tell you, he will see that they get justice. And what it says there? And quickly, right? Now, what a strange thing to say. How How can there be a delay over and over again and yet God comes quickly? Right? If you're delayed, you can't come quickly, right? It's like you're either one or the other. What does it mean where there is a delay but then God says, Right, that he will see that they get justice and quickly. We've been waiting for 2,000 years. How can God say that he is coming quickly? I think what it means here is when Jesus comes and brings justice, it will happen in a speedily manner. Right? Just like in chapter 17, in the days of Noah, in the days of Lot, people will be dancing and eating and drinking and marrying and doing business and they'll think that everything is okay. But when justice comes then it will be like a lightning. A lightning in the sky. And when there's lightning in the sky, that's the fastest thing that can happen. That's the most speedily thing that can happen, isn't it? You see lightning strike, you don't even have time to react. So that's what's happening here. Jesus is saying when justice comes, God will bring it in a really fast way and there will be no time for you to then say, oh, I better have faith in Jesus then. See, look at what it says there at the end of chapter 17, isn't it? How fast will it be when God acts? Well, it will be like two people lying in one bed and then one will be taken and the other one will be left. That's how fast it will be. There will be two people grinding grain in verse 35. One will be taken and the other left. When God brings justice, when Jesus comes again, it will come just like that. And you will have no time to say, Oh, I better have faith now. I look forward to the kingdom of God. Today is the day where you need to ask God to strengthen your faith. Today is the day where you need to not give up on your prayers and keep asking God to give you justice and to ask God to bring the kingdom of God to you. Now, I remember when I was... um, Okay, I don't think I've told this story before, so this is a new story. I remember when I was in boarding school in Australia again. um, Who knew boarding school has so many stories, right? There was one night, okay, we have about 200 boarders in boarding school. I think maybe less, actually 100 plus, but there are a lot of young men, right, okay? And uh, we usually have one teacher looking after 20-something students. So one night, I can't remember, there was some teacher's dinner, there was a teacher's dinner, and all the teachers were invited to go out to, uh, you know, a, a, a special dinner. So then, the boarding headmaster, the teachers all said, okay, we're going out for dinner, right, with... We put some of the older ch- kids in, in charge of you guys. We will not. We will be back later. Make sure that you don't misbehave, right? Okay. So they all go off, and after the first hour, you know, everything is okay. Seems all right. Then after about two hours, everybody starts getting a bit restless, right? Where are all the teachers? There's no control, right? And then uh, some people, miraculously, I don't know where they got it from, they bring out bottles of alcohol. Different bottles, you know, of different things. And, uh, initially people said, oh, no, I don't think we'll be back any second. No, How can you drink? You know, how could, you know we're all going to get in trouble for this. No, oh, no, no, no. Just a few people will drink. Everything will be okay, right? Maybe two or three people. Now, after about three hours, the teachers still haven't come back. And now, instead of just two or three people, there's a raging party of many people drinking alcohol. And those who started are drinking more. Then there's music and everything, right? And, uh, even my best friend who was the head prefect also had a few drinks and then suddenly the teachers come back right and everybody gets caught and even those who drank before who didn't get caught they get caught because the teachers say we know who case okay, so you know it's like lawyers right they sit you down in a single room. okay who was drinking right we know what other people say if you haven't told us you know you get suspended longer you might kick out of school so of course everybody spills the beans and every single person gets caught. And I remember my, my best friend who was head prefect, he was suspended for two weeks. In the end, he actually skipped the academic year because he felt so embarrassed by the whole thing. See what happened there, see? It's like, it's like what's happening in this passage, isn't it? There is a delay. And as the delay gets longer and longer and longer, we think, well, maybe Jesus is not coming back. Where is God? maybe you know, it's so hard to struggle as a Christian You know, week after week I've got, to, I've got to face the difficulties at work I've got the attraction of all these things around us if I'm a Christian people give me a hard time so why do I want to have a hard time? well Jesus says you need to pray that you will continue to persevere as a Christian you need to get the supernatural power of God working your heart because you cannot do it alone and what do you pray for? Well, you should be praying for the kingdom things. We shouldn't be wasting... I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm not saying wasting our time. We should pray for health and, you know, things like, you know, for God to help us in everything. The other parts of the Bible which tell us that. But, but our prayers, if they lack kingdom focus, if they lack the focus on the things that Jesus talks about which really matter, then who else do we have to blame but ourselves, isn't it? When people come and say to me, oh, you know, I feel that my faith is really dry... Now ask them, well, have you prayed for it? Have you asked God? Have you cried out to God that you strengthen your faith? And often the answer is no. Well, if the answer is no, then no wonder you're struggling in your Christian walk. And what do you pray about? Do you pray like the persistent widow? Do you cry out for justice and the kingdom of God to come? Do you cry out for Jesus to come? Because if you do not look forward to these things, then is it because your hearts are so in love with this world that we've compromised so much, that we've become Christian chameleons, that we don't really value the Kingdom of God anymore. Then is it no wonder that our faith grows cold? So, it's a very simple parable today that we're looking at, but it really speaks of things which are so important. So I pray that for all of us, and I really pray that we will all keep praying, and all keep praying about the really important things, our Christian walk, the Kingdom of God, perseverance and hostility of this world call out for God for justice and that we will keep praying and not give up. Okay, let's go to God in prayer. Dear Father, as we come before you today, help us to see the reality of the world that we live in, that we live in a time in between the first coming of Jesus and the second. And we pray that we know that there will be a delay. We do not know when Jesus comes back again. But we pray for each and every person here that we will we will keep praying and not give up that we will be like the persistent widow but we will pray differently than the persistent widow because we can pray with confidence for we know that you are a good god that you are a righteous god that you're a compassionate god and that you're a god who gives justice we pray that we may pray f- prayers which are filled with a focus on your kingdom and on Jesus and that we will look forward I greatly look forward to the Kingdom of God coming, to the coming of Jesus as the Judge, to bring peace and righteousness and holiness in this world. And we pray for all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.